Welcome back to the Pagan Dawn podcast. Now, for this episode, we have the writer of a wonderful book called Modern Dreamwork, and her name is Linda Yael Schiller. Welcome, Linda, and welcome, Aurora, because she's always here. Welcome, Linda. Would you like to introduce yourself to, to the audience? First, thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. And I am a psychotherapist and professor and consultant um, who I live in the Boston area in Boston, Massachusetts, in the United States. And I taught at Boston University School of Social Work for 20 years. And I've been a psychotherapist in private practice for, oh, I'd say over 40 at this point. And um, I have been doing a variety of integrated uh, therapeutic methods for a long, long time, including integrating body, mind, and spirit into my work and have studied a lot of different modalities, including energy psychology and EMDR and body-oriented somatic experiencing, as well as shamanic work, the Kabbalah, um, pagan practices. And I was introduced to the study of dream work about, oh, 35 years ago, and it was a love affair at first sight. So I have been doing dream work both with my individual clients and participating in a dream circle of my own for well over 30 years. I run dream circles professionally. I consult with people on their dream work. And at one point, I began writing a blog about, oh gosh, I guess about 10 years ago now, knowing that at some point that blog was uh, the seeds for the book. And then um, I finally had enough stability in my life. My daughter was old enough so that I could leave town for a little while. I took myself off on a retreat and started um, turning the blogs into a book, the result of which is Modern Dream Work that came out two years ago. And I have uh, a new book coming out in the fall called PTS Dreams. And the subtitle is Transforming Your Nightmares from Trauma into Healing Dream Work. And Llewellyn will be publishing that one as well. And that one integrates my years and years of work doing uh, integrated work with trauma survivors and working with nightmares and sort of putting that together in a comprehensive book, looking at the impact of trauma on nightmares. Um, so my daughter now, the one who was little in the book, the, and actually in the beginning of the book, I, I start with a story of how we brought her home from China, and she's now going to be 25 um, <laughs> in, next, in a couple of months, and uh, graduated college, is uh, working in healthcare, and um, here we are. So I'm happy to be here and answer any questions you might have. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, uh, yeah. We my do book. have a lot of questions. <laughs> we do have yeah. a lot of questions. Your book is incredible. I have to say to you that I really, really enjoyed it um, because I'm I'm really into dream work, and um, it, it's quite difficult also to to find something as good as this, and it's very structured, it's very logical, and um, it's very helpful as well. But uh, let's start from the basics. I wanted to ask you first: What is, uh, in your opinion, what's a dream? And why dreams are so important to us? Okay, so there's a. I, I'm going to try to keep this answer relatively short because I could talk for probably an hour on what is a dream. <laughs> so there's sleeping dreams, which is what people mostly think about, and then there are waking dreams. So I'll I'll answer that from two points of view. The sleeping dreams are 
our internal guidance system. They're like a, a, a GPS of our unconscious. And we know that we don't know a lot about how our brains work. And even though we've been to the moon and back, we still have really not plumbed the depths of how our inner psyche and the, all the neural networks in our brains work. So what we do know, though, that when we sleep, different parts of our brains are active than when we're awake. And they come together in novel ways that allow us to review and learn from the things that have happened in our lives, either very recently or in the distant past. So we can use, dreams are used for memory consolidation. They're used for um, working out uh, difficult emotions. They're also used as what's called prodromal dreams, which can give us hints and insight into our healthcare and our, and our personal health. And then there's a whole element of the transpersonal in dreams where we can connect with other worlds, other dimensions, um, sometimes connect with the spirits of departed loved ones who have passed over in a way that is discernibly different from a symbol or a metaphor about, say, your mom or your grandma who passed having a visit. There's a, a felt sense of difference between those two things. So um, REM, which we talk about REM sleep, stands for rapid eye movement. And those are the little eye movements that our eyes make when we're literally watching a dream. And so our eyes are sort of tracking the images while we're asleep. And from the outside, we can see these little micro images of the eyelids moving. Um, and this, uh, what happens during dream state has actually been studied by many neuropsychologists. And very interestingly, I, I recently read a study where they were doing um, some deep brain implants to help people with epilepsy. They had some micro, uh, excuse me, electrodes implanted in the brain. And in doing so, we're able to actually track which parts of the brain were online and which were not when the people were dreaming in, in real time, if you will. Um, so that's one side of the coin. That's sort of the, the science and uh, art and beauty of, of our nocturnal nighttime dreams. And then we can also think about a waking dream state. And waking dream states includes anything really that is um, altered consciousness. So when we have an experience of synchronicity, where things line up in an unexpected way that we weren't expecting, but somehow fit together, that's a waking dream state. When we have an experience of deja vu, oh, I, I know I've been here before, but I don't know how or why, that's a waking dream state. Um, intuition is a waking dream state as well. We can invoke waking dream states as well by using hypnotherapy or trance-like phenomena. Some people do that using the uh, a, uh, assistance of various substances, and this is from you know ancient times through modern times. Um, and then finally, there's this in-between place between waking and sleeping when you're just waking up but not quite fully awake yet, and the other end when you're just falling asleep but not quite asleep yet, that Jung calls the hypnopompic and the hypnagogic zones, those two are dream states. So the information that comes through to us in these hypnopompic and hypnagogic zones are the same as if, the same source of information as if we were sound asleep. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. <laughs> yeah, very well summarized. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating, yeah. So um, do you think, um, moving on to our next question, do you think it's important for us to recall our dreams? And can you give us some techniques in order on how we can do that? I mean, they're all very fantastically laid out in your book. 
And uh, I did have a go at a few of them. I have to say that nowadays I remember my dreams better than I did before. Okay, <laughs> Which is interesting. It really has helped. Well, yeah. from doing some of these techniques. Yeah, yeah. Oh, with a notebook you. next to my bedside table. As soon as I woke up, just one word. And by doing that several times, I've been able to recall dreams. I think, oh, yes, of course, I remember now. <laughs> Yeah, we studied yeah. your book. It's uh, we, we just <laughs> exactly. studied it. We we're using your book. <laughs> oh, yeah. great! I, I couldn't have a better compliment than to say you were studying my book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely wonderful. So, do you think? Uh, yeah. So, just to tell the general audience, why is it important to recall our dreams? So, there's a whole world that exists that is sort of our parallel universe, if you will, while we're asleep, that can be a source of information, of insight, of creativity, of healing. There's so much more available to us than our left brain linear minds can grasp in our waking walk around life. And the one of the very best sources of this alternative source of information, all of our right brain information is our dream world. So if we don't attend to our dreams, we'll lose lose track of all that. We won't have access to all that. And we know that uh, the right side of our brain is where the source of our creativity, our insight, and our ability to think outside the box actually comes from. So if we lose connection to that part of ourselves, we're losing connection to some very deep sources of wisdom. And there are countless inventors and musicians and artists throughout history who have said, oh, this painting I painted or this music that I wrote came directly from a dream state. Um, Mary Shelley said she woke up with Frankenstein completely intact. She just had to write it down after she woke from her dream. Um, Paul McCartney said the words to yesterday, all the words and the tune just came right through to a dream. Actually, the tune came first, came through first. I just was reading that rather than saying yesterday, and originally he said scrambled eggs. <laughs> and then later he found the words that kind of fit better with what he was trying to say. But the tune came full blown from his dream and he just sort of notated it after he woke up. Um, so it's a source of information both for ourselves and so we can dream on behalf of ourselves and we can dream on behalf of other people and we can dream on behalf of the world. So there are multiple layers in every dream. And one is the very, very personal layer. And the other is the familial or ancestral layer where we're picking up bits and pieces of our ancestors. And then there's the world layer, particularly in times when there's a worldwide phenomena, such as living through this pandemic that we've all been living through for years and years. We find people dreaming similar dreams. We find the themes coming through over and over and over again. Um, a colleague of mine, uh, Deirdre Barrett, wrote a book called Pandemic Dreams, where she collected from all over the world on um, people's dreams during the first year of the pandemic. It was just amazing, the, the similarities. Um, and insight as to treatment and healing comes from dreams as well. Crick and Watson, who developed the double helix of the DNA, they dreamed of um, a snake entwining, two snakes entwining with themselves. And that was the image they got for the double helix that is the foundation of our understanding of genetics of DNA. So these are some of the reasons why it's really good to remember our dreams. Why is it important, among other things, to write them down is a way of remembering. 
One is that dreams are ephemeral, right? We all know that we can wake up and we say, oh, I had a dream. And then two seconds later, we've gotten up, we've brushed our teeth, it's gone. It's like a helium balloon. If we don't tie it down, it doesn't stay put. So anything that helps us to anchor our dreams into our waking life will allow us to better remember them. And the importance of keeping a journal, whether it's handwriting, which which I'm in favor of, because when we're physically and somatically moving our body, we're accessing those deeper parts of ourselves that isn't quite the same as when we're typing or even when we're talking. So by all means, if you if you have to record it orally or if you have to type it and that's the only way that works for you, feel free to do so. But then if you've recorded it orally, go back and write it down later. And in addition, you can use drawing in your dreams because sometimes a picture really is worth a thousand words. And yeah. you can record uh, an you can draw an image and then later you'll look at the image and you'll see things that were there in your dream that you would not have remembered had you not drawn a, even a little sketch of them. Um, there was one other thing I was going to say about it's a ne- techniques. What about oh, techniques? Yes, I'm going to get techniques. It was one of the things. <laughs> one of the things <laughs> yes. I wanted to say. The importance of writing it down is because when there's something that we need to know, that we need to learn and resolve, it keeps showing up over and over again, and we see patterns and themes reoccur in our dreams. So if we haven't written it down, we'll miss the reoccurring themes and the re- reoccurring patterns. So that's another plug for keeping track. So back to techniques, I know that's very important, is for starters, when you go to sleep at night, have an intention. Have an intention that you're going to remember your dream because intention really does point us in the direction of where we want to go. So we can start with just pointing ourselves in the direction of remembering our dreams at night. Some people spend some time doing some preparation to enter sacred space, to enter a dream world by doing some kind of a purification ritual, by doing a little smudging, by taking a nice saltwater bath. You don't have to, but you certainly can if it helps you relax and orient you toward remembering your dreams. So one is the intention. Next is value your dreams. If you value them, you'll be much more likely to remember them. If you think they're, oh, just bunk and garbage, you'll be less likely to remember them. So what we value, we, we recall. So you intend to remember, you value your dreams, you um, gather recording materials right by your bed, some kind of a notebook, get the nicest one that will inspire you to remember. It could be just a plain spiral notebook from you know childhood or it could be a beautiful colorful you know journal it, it doesn't matter whichever you like keep it by your bed keep a pen or pencil right there or if you're going to be recording it on a device make sure it's charged you know because your unconscious will know if you're not serious if you have a pen next to the bed but there's no ink uh, 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 your unconscious will say you weren't serious <laughs> that's true yeah. and then the other thing Two other quick things, a couple things that I love is one is if you have an issue or a dilemma that you'd like some answers to or some question you'd like some insight about, write that down in your journal before you go to sleep in the form of a question. And this is called dream incubation. And this has been done since antiquity, where people will go to sleep asking for a particular dream and then are visited in the night by their dream muse, whatever that means to them. And then in the morning when you wake up and you have a dream, Even if you don't see the connection between your question and the dream, write it down anyway on the same page. 
Because later, as you work with it either personally or with other people, you will find the points of connection that might be embedded in symbolism or metaphor that you didn't quite see. Um, and the last thing I'll do in terms of tips for remembering that is, is really my favorite is we have what's called positional or body memory. So if you wake up and you say, oh, there was this dream and you sit up and it's like, oh, the dream is gone. Lay back down in your bed and put your body in the same position you were in when you were sleeping and just kind of rest there quietly for a moment. And chances are very high that that positional memory will return and you'll be able to recount the dream again. So that's one of my favorite ways of catching a dream. Incredible. If to slip away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I so, remember there was Castaneda that was speaking of something like that, but he was like tapping his body because he was saying that dreams are uh, like situated. It's like a storage that's stored in different parts of the body. So, um, and he was tapping himself when he couldn't remember a dream. Uh, I found this very weird, but what you're saying, I did that. I uh, I learned to do that, so not to jump from the bed because in the moment that I I jump from the bed, it's all gone. Right, right. It's interesting because I read Castaneda. I don't know many many years ago in my twenties, probably, and at the time that I originally read him, I probably just thought, "Oh, that's weird." But now it makes actually perfect sense because we know from somatic therapies and we know from epigenetics and we know from um, trauma treatment that our bodies hold, encode and hold memories and different parts of our bodies hold different memories. And there's a lot of therapeutic interventions, particularly in the field of energy psychology, that include tapping or holding on different parts of the body to free the energy of the memory that's held there. I don't know, for example, if either of you have ever had a massage, but all of a sudden you get a massage and they're working on some part of your body and all of a sudden out of the blue, you feel an emotion of some sort. I know I've had that happen. Someone will be rubbing my shoulders just for example, and all of a sudden I'll feel like I want to cry. There's, there's no particular reason, but there was a something embedded in my shoulders and then and then it'll be gone once it's massaged out. Yeah, it happens to me more with um, memories or pictures or thoughts that are completely logical but i had to have i hate to have massages so it's my dance teacher used to say this to us all the time that um uh for for us to dance properly for us to dance we have to let go because the body when you start repeating the body knows what to do next and if we think too much then we forget and it was the com completely opposite. When you have to do like um, a performance, you had to let go. Otherwise, it, it would never happen. And that was very, very, very difficult. Some people lead. Like we have three energy centers in our bodies. We have our, our head center, our heart center, and our belly center. And each one of us is strongest in one of those centers and weakest in the other. Ideally, our goal is to be to integrate all three centers. It sounds like for you as a dancer, you had to sort of free yourself from living up too much in the, in your head so you could let the wisdom of your body just like move you. <laughs> yes, it's very, very difficult. <laughs> as, as a dancer myself, I, I can appreciate. And there's a different feeling when you let your body take over than when you try to think it through. You dance better. It's weird, but you dance better. You become a dancer if you uh, if you can do that. Otherwise, you will never become a dancer. 
Well, I never became a dancer. It was just <laughs> something that I really liked to do, but <laughs> I, I remember it. It was a very valuable lesson. And we wanted to also ask you, what do you think about dreams as prophecies? Dreams as prophecies is a really interesting conversation. And there's a lot of different ways to think about it. Um, we know that most, if not all, I can't say all, but certainly because I don't know all, but most both um, current Western religion as well as ancient practices, ancient spirituality, indigenous teachings talk about dreams as prophecy. The Judean Christian Bible is full of prophets who get their information from dreams and from visions. And this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm absolutely fascinated by the PGM, the uh, Greek Magical Papyri, and in there you find several spells, quite a lot of them actually, that incite that uh, prophetic dreams. So things that you can do to make sure that in the eve, you know, when you're asleep, you get a prophetic dream or spells to send dreams to someone. Right. So if you're spelling magic with a G or with a J, right, or with a C or with a K at the end, it has a different implication. So when we use the word prophecy in sort of modern parlance, we have to be a little bit careful. We, we know who our audience is and what they're understanding from that. So prophecy is, is one of the ways I like to describe it as seeing around the corner of time and seeing around the corner of time and space. And we actually do have the capacity for seeing around the corner of time and space. And how do we know this? Albert Einstein proved it in his theory of relativity. So I believe that it is definitely possible to have prophetic dreams. Now, let me back up after that statement and say a few things. One is, all prophecy is not something earth-shattering. We might prophesize that tomorrow, um, we will be running late to work because there'll be a traffic jam and it comes true, right? That was a prophecy because let's say usually the road we take to work doesn't have a traffic jam. So this was really unusual, but that was still a prophecy because you saw around the corner of time. I don't know if you prophesized your traffic jam or not today. <laughs> but, so no, but, no, but then I'm going to give you an example because it, this, is, this is leading me to another question about a, prophet, a daily prophecy, let's say. Ah. Okay, so I'll just say that sometimes if we're looking on purpose, right, like incubating a dream, we can ask for a dream that helps to um, give us some fore-reaching knowledge about something that, that either could or might happen. So the only caveat I would say with prophecy is that when we have some insight from something that we don't yet know is true, we want to take it with a grain of salt because we don't know if what we're dreaming is literal or metaphoric. And we know that time is different in the unconscious, right? A minute is the same as a year is the same as a century. In our dream life, everything is always now. We're not dreaming something that happened yesterday or even something that happened tomorrow. It's always now. So if we have a prophecy, we have to make sure we're holding it gently so that we're not misinterpreting the time or the place of what's going on. Um, so to be able to kind of breathe into something that seems to be uh, prophetic, we can certainly get some insight and some wisdom and, and make some plans based on our dreams and then see how it unfolds. But this is one of the most difficult things to understand if the dream is metaphorical or not. And uh, 
yes, this is something I'm 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 particularly struggling with, because if the dream can be both, and both make sense, how do you know if if it's one or the other? I know it's a very difficult question. <laughs> Probably doesn't have an answer. So, well, actually, my answer is yes. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> yes, <to both>. okay. <laughs> yes, it's a good answer. It's a good answer. I'm, I'm going to have to reflect on that, but. <laughs> It's both. Dreams come through to us with multiple layers. So the dream is not about just one thing. We might stop our interpretation or our explanation or understanding of a dream of like, oh, I dreamed about, um, you know, having a a, a stomachache and it felt very irritated and you wake up in the morning and you say, oh, I had that really spicy pizza last night. That must have why I dreamed of. I had a stomachache. Okay, that that absolutely could be true. But then on top of that, there are other layers, right? There's the prodromal layer, the physical layer of our bodies. There's the emotional layer of what's going on in ourselves emotionally. There's the recent past in our life. What happened yesterday, last week, you know, last month? There's the deep historical layer in our life about things that we might be dreaming of that happened in our childhood that for some reason are being activated or triggered now. There's the familial layer of the family we grew up in. Are we dreaming on behalf of other people right now? And if so, how can we tell? That's a different question. Who shows up in our dream and what's what's the sense of, of what we're getting? Then there's the ancestral layer. Are we carrying things from our deep past, from our ancestral past, from past lives? And then, as we said before, also, there's the worldwide layer. So it's not that you're only dreaming about uh, yourself or what happened yesterday. You could also be dreaming at the same time about something that may be coming. Right? So it's not either or. It's more both and. Depends on how far we peel back the layer of the dream. Mm, interesting yeah (laughs) yeah that's at least i'm not going to struggle anymore i'm just going to have to accept that it's it's a lot of layers and you can tune in with yourself and ask yourself and your dream is there any more here right is there more i need to know have i unpacked that's a term Jung would use have i unpacked everything in this dream suitcase that is there for me to learn. And one of the very best ways to get to the the depths of the the dream suitcase, if you will, is to not try to do dream work by yourself. Because we are limited by what we can see, right? We can't see the back of our own heads unless we have not only one, but at least two mirrors, right? One in the front and then one in the back. So if you're working with someone else or if you're working with a circle of people in a dream circle, everyone brings their own perspectives to your dream and helps you then to see things that you might have missed on your own. And that's including me. And I've been doing this for, you know, 30, 40 years. I always find something new about my dreams when I work with my dream circle. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, the, The problem is that I want to go again with the questions, but everything you say just brings so many questions again. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you don't have to ask yeah. the questions you sent me. You can, we can go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I suppose, that, um, yeah, that leads us then into the question of nightmares when it comes to dreams. How to deal yeah. with nightmares? So nightmares really are an SOS from our unconscious, letting us know that something is unresolved in our life. 
something is undigested, something is incomplete. Sometimes nightmares are very um, sort of time limited. We saw a scary movie. We had a nightmare. We wake up and go, oh, my God, that movie was so scary. That's why I had a nightmare. And we know exactly what was going on. Sometimes something happened in the near past in our life that was was scary. We we were in a car accident and, and we're replaying that car accident over and over and over again in our dream. And that is our body's way of working through not only the physical, but the emotional trauma of the upset that happened to us. If our nightmares go away by themselves, we can be assured that our body is working as it's supposed to in terms of its metabolizing the upset or the trauma that caused the dream. So our dream digestion, if you will, is properly digesting that traumatic experience. If we have nightmares that are repetitive, that reoccur, and do not resolve or they get work, then we need to think, okay, there's something in my life that I have not yet come to peace with, that I have not yet figured out, that is still, as Mary Shelley would say, haunting my midnight pillow. And our body is continuing to tell us, there's something you need to know, there's something else you need to heal, there's something you need to do here in order to be able to finally put these ghosts of the night at rest. So that's when you work not only with yourself, but you work with other people and possibly take your nightmares and dreams into therapy as well to really kind of get to the bottom of what upsetting or traumatic events are you processing that your system is not able to process on its own, that you need some help with kind of airing it out in order to process. Mm. Okay. And from what you suggested earlier, that could be your second book. <laughs> that is your it is, second book. It is my second book, actually. Yeah. That is, yeah. It's like two or three times the size of the first one, actually. Um, it also goes into the details of like what is trauma and how does trauma impact nightmares and what is the phenomenon of what's called dissociation um, when we fragment because of upsetting experiences and how some dreams and nightmares are actually a um, aspect of our dissociated selves that we need to sort of reintegrate and, and we, we collect ourselves back together again. I look forward to that. I suppose that also brings us quite nicely to our next question, which um, do you think that we need to achieve then a certain knowledge, a certain level of self-knowledge in order to interpret our dreams or that the dreams actually help us achieve this self-knowledge? Well, I think both of those are, are true. This is a really good question. I think if we have intention and desire for self-knowledge and for self-healing and to connect with the universe or the light or God or our ancestors or however or whatever um, your uh, higher consciousness feels right connecting with. If we have that intention and we sit with our dreams, a lot of information will come through to us. And as we sit with our dreams, more information comes through to us. So again, it's one of these, you know, chicken and egg kind of things or two sides of the same coin. Um, in order to understand our dreams, it certainly helps to study and to learn and to read what has been uh, spoken about dreams in the past. There are many, many books and, and writings and, and podcasts out there that help us to understand 
the nature of symbolism, the nature of repetitive dreams, the nature of nightmares. Um, so it's useful to read about dreaming in ancient Egypt or dreaming in Norse mythology or dreaming in ancient uh, Canaan. And then we take all that knowledge and we see, okay, how does that apply to me? And what do I take from it from my personal dream? Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. But then do you think that in all these countries, like it, it depends where we live and the culture and a dream interpretation might be different or oh. there is this universal? Yeah, that, because this is another thing that in some countries one means, I mean, it also depends on how you grew up and, uh, and for example, what what is the symbolism that you grew up with? Do you think that this is important or there is a universal language anyways that speaks to each one of us in, in the same manner? Um, I'm going to start answering that really good question by saying I'm a member of an international organization called IASD, which is the International Association for the Study of Dreams. And our sort of bottom line in working with dreams and dreamers is that the dream belongs to the dreamer. So the only correct understanding or interpretation of the dream is the one that resonates as truth in the body, that, that felt sense, that shiver, you know, aha, knowing with the dreamer, him or herself. So in that sense, all dreams are personal and all dreams are idiosyncratic. We each develop our own compendium of symbols based on our own life. So you might dream of, um, I'm looking out my window right now and I'm seeing a tree. You might dream of a tree and have associations both on a general level to a tree. Trees are growth and trees are green and trees give shade. You might have a general level of association. But then as we get more personal and specific to what is a tree to you, you can say, oh, this tree is an old oak tree. And so I remember when I was growing up, my grandmother had an old oak tree in her yard. And this tree is reminding me of my grandmother's old oak tree. So now we're, we're all the way into a very personal association for you about your grandmother's tree when you were a child that I don't have because this is personal to you. So there are both personal idiosyncratic associations to every symbol and and there are more universal ones as well that are sort of across cultures. Um, tree might be one that in probably most cultures have to do something with growth and shade and photosynthesis, if the culture knew about photosynthesis, but maybe not in every culture. Dreaming about water, for example, you might have a very personal association. You know, you, you, um, you live by a, a pond or you once were in a hurricane or you had a near drowning experience when you were a child. Those are all very different associations to water. And if I dream of an ocean and you dream of an ocean, we can both say, well, water often represents the depths of our unconscious, things that are below the surface, something that might be flowing in life. But then we look at the, um, the emotional resonance of the dream in connection with the images and pictures and story. And that's what makes it your dream. So if your ocean dream was full of big stormy waves and my ocean dream had a, had a placid, calm beach with the sun shining, we both had dreams about the ocean. 
but they were mm -hmm. very different dreams. So that's where the individual and the universal come together. Yeah. I had a friend once. Um, uh, he's an NLP practitioner who's now retired. And I remember yeah. many years ago, I went to one of his workshops and it was a dream workshop. And he, he suggested that the best way to recall a dream is once you write it down, uh, then you get keywords. And then the first thing you think, the first thing that comes into your mind, don't think, don't overthinking, put it next to you, next to the word or what it could mean. And that's that way you are developing your own dictionary. That's right. Your own dream dictionary that is relates to you and your life. And another technique that he showed us as well is using a pendulum. Ask. And your unconscious will tell you <laughs> with the pendulum, which I yeah. thought was fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I, among other things, I've also studied NLP and to connect those wonderful, excuse me, suggestions to dream work. What Jung tells us is that good dream work is based on the gift of associations. So when we are able to make those and what Jung would say and other people free associations, we are tapping into the part of ourselves that knows it's beyond our conscious mind. And that's the beauty and the gift of, of dream work is we can tap into information that's just under the surface of our conscious mind. So if you wrote down an image, as you said, from a dream, and then you let yourself free associate without censoring whatever associations you have to it, you're getting deep under the, under the surface of the dream. And if you're surprised, what I often say to people, if you're surprised by the association, so much the better. Mm -hmm. So much the better, because that that way you know you didn't let your waking thinking mind um, get in the way of, of what the deeper associations were. Yeah, mm, fantastic, very beautiful, yeah. very very nice. beautiful advice. Yes, well, thank you very much, Linda, for allowing us to interview you at depth. Dreams. <laughs> it's been wonderful to have you in the podcast. Uh, it, definitely, incredibly insightful. Thank you. And we're waiting for your for your new book because uh, it, it sounds incredible as well. And uh, oh, after you. reading that, it, it is going to be very, very nice, I'm, I'm sure. Thank you. It's coming in September, but I think pre pre public might publication might be in the in the summer. So, but it's through Llewellyn, so you're connected with them, so they'll they yeah. can keep you posted. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. So nice to meet you both, and thanks for hanging in there with all of these technological glitches we had. <laughs> Well, that was our interview for the Pagan Dawn podcast with Aurora and that wonderful writer, Linda Yael Schiller. Go and look out for her book, which is Modern Dreamwork. Certainly, it's a little gem. Until next time, just keep reading. <laughs>